Today, we tackle the topic of autistic communication, how challenges in this area can cause miscommunications or misperceptions, and what you as a parent can do to ease the frustration for your child. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Welcome back, Embracers. Hello. Today, we're going to be exploring communication, specifically autistic communication, and how I don't perceive communication. (laughs) (laughs) So as per usual, we're going to talk about this in our typical kind of lighthearted way. So I know that communication can be an area that can be touchy for certain families because all of our autistic kiddos are in different areas. There's some kiddos who are completely nonverbal, and then there's others who are fluent, but maybe struggle with like social pragmatics. There's so many levels to communication, but I'm going to be focusing on my perspective and my experience with communication and the struggles that I have gone through in that communication piece as somebody who would be considered high functioning. So even though there is a lot of focus on communication when it comes to nonverbal kiddos and nonverbal autistic individuals, I think that sometimes the higher functioning kids are actually overlooked. And the reason I say that is because people kind of assume that if you have language and you have words and you have vocabulary, then you are good to go. You're golden. You don't have any issues with communication whatsoever. And I just want to share my perspective on that because it couldn't be further from the truth. Communication has actually been a piece in my life that's been very challenging and something that I've struggled with. And it's caused a lot of negative consequences like social isolation or rejection or being perceived or misperceived as unintelligent or basically all these assumptions that are placed on you based off of your ability or lack thereof to communicate what you think or feel effectively. So this episode for me is really, really important because I think out of all the things that I struggle with, the one that hurt me the most to the core has been the communication piece because this is the one that particularly for those higher functioning kiddos, if you have a higher functioning autistic kid, This area is what might be that piece that ends up impacting their self-esteem and their social development the most as they grow into adulthood. Now, you do raise an interesting point with these social pragmatics because both of our girls are in speech therapy and they are both learning kind of the the who, when, where questions when they're being asked. And for the most part, they're doing relatively well. But then you put them in a social environment and it is a completely different ballgame. They really struggle with trying to communicate with other peers. They kind of resort back to scripting because that's kind of what they know. So on one hand, on paper, it's like, oh, they, they're making um, their milestones or the little check marks. But then when you kind of put it into reality or real life, there's definitely kind of the, the spikes or the valleys or whatever of where they still struggle. And it's kind of obvious, kind of us watching. So yeah, communication is a tricky one because it isn't, it's not all encompassing. It's different components that you have to contend with. Yeah, so I'm going to go over like a few little key areas that I personally have struggled with and share a little bit about what kind of goes on in my head during these moments. 
One of those is, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with selective mutism or aware of what that is. That would be for those autistic kiddos who actually have verbal communication, but there might be a little brain glitch essentially that happens occasionally that causes your child to lose their ability to speak temporarily. And so that's often referred to as selective mutism because they basically become mute under certain situations for certain periods of time, but they are not always mute. So they do have words they're typically able to communicate, but they just have these like moments of mutism. And so I I wouldn't say that I have that, but what I struggle with is something that's kind of parallel to that. And it's similar in the sense that I will sometimes have what I refer to as like a brain fritz, which I think I've mentioned in a previous episode. I basically call them a little brain fritz because when it happens, I feel like the wires in my head are just kind of like fritzing out and just kind of like not connecting when I'm trying to communicate a thought. Well, sometimes I also think that you analyze a part of speech or a conversation differently than how I would. So if I was to ask you, do you like potatoes? So your thought process, correct me if I'm wrong, it might be, well, what kind of potatoes? What time of day am I eating the potatoes? How are the potatoes prepared? Yeah, actually, I was just thinking that you as you would were be saying like, that. <laughs> you would be checking. I mean, I'm assuming you're checking off multiple things of like, well, there are so many ways you can prepare a potato. As where if someone would ask me, I'd be like, yeah, I like potatoes. I mean, I like French fries, mashed potatoes. I mean, just kind of like a, a ballpark. But I know that you're analyzing the questions much more, I don't know, analytical than I would be. Yeah. So that's another thing is that I also have a hard time with interpreting questions because I do take them literally. And so when a question is asked, I am trying to figure out how the question was intended. And oftentimes, because of that, I take longer to process the answer. That's not usually why I have like my brain fritz, though. My brain fritz is usually more like I literally can't think of anything. Like my mind kind of just goes blank. And so I will have a thought in my head and I will want to get that thought out. But it's like I can't remember what I'm saying. So it's kind of like that phenomenon when people say, oh, it's at the tip of my tongue. But it's like constant happens frequently. So it's really, really frustrating because you know what you want to say. You know that you're not dumb. You know like, oh no, I was just looking this up yesterday. I I definitely know what I'm talking about. But for some reason, when you want to draw that information from memory, you can't get it to come out of your head and to your tongue. So then you're basically left looking like a fool to the person that you're talking to, which honestly often led to a lot of low-key bullying when I grew up in school. I would say it was more obvious bullying and like middle school and high school, but even in college, I was bullied basically for not being able to express myself in the way that I wanted to at the time because people just assumed I was dumb. They thought it was funny that I was not able to express myself and they would usually give me kind of like a degrading look at me like, oh my gosh, look at that idiot, that sort of look. And I would go home crying all the time because I felt like totally judged by my peers growing up. And this was prior to me having any sort of like diagnoses. So I had no idea why I had such a struggle with all this. And so one of the struggles really with autism, and I'm saying this from the higher higher functioning end of things, but I can just imagine that with the nonverbal autistics, it must be even more frustrating because 
there's so much more you want to communicate. And people either make the assumption that a nonverbal autistic child is just dumb. A lot of people think, oh, they're nonverbal. They don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah, sure. We can talk about this appointment in front of them. It's no problem. They don't know. But you don't really know until you're able to unlock communication. You don't truly know what that child knows. So I think that having that misconception that a person who is not able to verbally express themselves great is dumb is really negatively impacting autistic people. So with our youngest, I mean, I think we kind of see a little bit of this because I'm not sure if she classifies like selective mutism. She definitely loses some sort of issues that we haven't been able to pin down She definitely loses her ability to use words and it's more kind of sounds. Yeah, she starts basically grunting and kind of like whining. Right. So we kind of sometimes catch ourselves because we're like, oh, she must not be understanding like what we're talking about or we're trying to work with her to do whatever little homework or little activities. And then she kind of will choose to speak or use her words and she blows us completely out of the water because we're like, wow, we didn't even know that you knew what this was, let alone you're able to do this little activity on your own. And we're, we're kind of surprised. So we're not sure sometimes how much she actually knows because she's kind of selective mutism. Yeah. I mean, we just found out like a couple of weeks ago that she can read and we had no idea she could read because she will not sit down and communicate with us. If we ask her like, what does this say? Or just like any question where we're trying to ask her for feedback on anything. She basically just completely disconnects from us. She doesn't have eye contact. She's not paying attention. She doesn't respond. And of course, she's not saying anything. So we often assume that, oh, she must not get it. She must not be able to communicate this. She must not be able to understand that. And then we find out, oh my gosh, she can read. Because we sat down, there was a book, and she just started reading the words on the page. And I was like, what is this? So that's why I always say, like, do not assume anything from your child because you really just don't know. Well, the other struggle is she also trolls us. So we'd be like asking, oh, do you know what this little word is? And she would know what it is, but she would say something totally different. So it's hard to know if she actually knows, is she trying to troll us or what the situation is? So it's definitely a challenge. I feel like our kids are too smart for us sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not smart enough to keep up with them. But yeah, so communication is something that I've struggled with. I think both with the lower functioning and higher functioning and communication is a big issue, depending on what type of kiddo you have. It may be that it's impacting them differently, but it's still going to be impacting them. I mostly want to highlight this because oftentimes people think that, oh, if your kid is higher functioning, that means they're communicating, so you don't have to worry about them. I'm going to skip this episode. But I really feel that as a autistic individual who was on that higher functioning end, the communication piece and the communication struggles has been the thing that has broken relationships for me. I say that with an aching heart because I have had friendships that I have lost due to communications that I didn't know were not socially appropriate. So for instance, as an autistic adult, autistic individual, you usually have that literal black and white thinking. And a lot of times you call it like you see it and you're just the type of person that feels like a strong sense of justice and all this stuff. And so growing up, I basically would tell my friends exactly what I thought, which I thought came from a good place where I was trying to help them. So I would try to tell them the truth because I thought that it would help them either be more successful or get what they ultimately wanted. Like I thought I was helping them move forward with their life. I guess a corny example would be kind of like when they say the girlfriend is asking the husband like, oh, do I look fat in these jeans? You know, like how they use that as like the example. And every husband knows they're supposed to say. No. 
But I like, the, but I, I love, I love the setup. The girlfriend asking the husband. So is he cheating on his wife? Oh, did wife? I say girlfriend and husband? Yeah. yeah. So, so is that the mistress? Remember, I have communication issues. <laughs> so I was sitting back and I was like, oh, this maybe is, she's the mistress. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh my gosh, this is already an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. No. So basically, the point that I'm getting at is like everybody knows that the social construct of that scenario is that the husband or boyfriend is supposed to say, "No, girl, you look fine in those jeans." The autistic wouldn't get that. So in my experience and in the experience of other autistics, it wouldn't cross our mind to lie about that if we cared about you. If we care about you, we want to tell you the truth and we want to be honest and blunt and be like, yeah, I probably wouldn't wear those shorts. Why don't you wear these instead? And we have no idea, at least in the moment, before the consequence happens, that the outcome of saying that is going to have something negative. So like, we don't realize that that person now is going to be upset with me because I answered a question that I thought they genuinely wanted the answer to. And that's where you end up really messing up a lot of like friendships and social relationships, because these things that neurotypical people take for granted when it comes to communication, a lot of autistics don't have. So if you are having these like back and forth communications where you're just joshing around, an autistic like myself will be like, oh, they're just joking around. That means I'm allowed to joke around too. And I might joke around as well. But then I'll take that joke into another context. And then I'll joke around with like my girlfriends, not realizing the girlfriends are not the same as guy friends and not realizing that what I can do with my guy friends, I can't do with my girlfriends because the girlfriends get offended. That's true. I mean, even as a neuro, well, somewhat neurotypical, <laughs> I still have my Allistic is for non-autistic. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've got my struggles too. No, you definitely have to w- walk on uh, eggshells a little bit more if it's like a female colleague or something versus like a, even a male colleague. Cause I mean, just conversation in general, or as far as like rephrasing. So a simple way to rephrase instead of if someone's asking like, Oh, do I look fat in these pants? Rephrase the answer, basically say, there's a lot of people who look good in those pants. You should try and be one of them. No, the pants just look too skinny for you. Oh, that <laughs> so could work. Like, I like that could just work flip too. the script. Also, this is it's bad not advice. You, it's the pants. <laughs> this is bad advice. Please don't. Yeah. Don't follow it. this. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's basically the issue that I have had consistently. And the crazy part about all that is that growing up, I never knew I was having this miscommunication issue. I never knew that I was being perceived differently. Another negative that comes along with that, and I hate to bash this all with negatives, but you guys need the honest truth of what could potentially happen. That growing up, I also was misperceived as a mean person. Like people would kind of think I was like a nasty person. And I garnered a reputation with my extended family as being like a nasty person. And I'm sure listening to this podcast, you guys kind of know me pretty intimately, honestly, because of what we talk about here. It's pretty personal. Hopefully I don't come off that way to y'all, but I wouldn't know if I did. But essentially what I found out is people were perceiving me as that because I was responding to people bluntly. I was telling people things how I felt matter of factly. I was not able to read the room essentially when there was a reaction that I should have caught on to that should have given me a hint that perhaps they didn't want to hear that or that I was being rude because I was never able to find this out basically until late adulthood. So 
now within like the last five years. And now that I've discovered my autism diagnosis, I am now going back through life and reassessing all these relationships. And now everything's starting to make sense. Like, oh, that's why these people thought that. Oh, that's why this relationship didn't work out or this friendship or whatever. And it's because apparently the way that I've communicated with people were giving off one impression that I had zero intent of giving off. My intent behind that communication was way different than what they perceived from that communication. And it was never brought to my attention. And so it never got addressed. So for decades on, all these relationships essentially have been failed because there's this misalignment between autistic communication and neurotypical communication. And sometimes we do play, I mean, I call it the game, play the game of like, what was this person actually saying versus how you might have perceived it? Because sometimes what some person is saying, it's kind of ambiguous a little bit where it's not clear cut. So sometimes, I mean, you'll ask me like, okay, what does this text message mean to you? Do you understand the meaning? And sometimes I'm completely clueless too, but sometimes you're able to kind of gauge, okay, there, there's a little bit of sarcasm here. This isn't really being serious or vice versa. They're being very serious. This is not like a joking matter. So been working a little bit on that, but I mean, it's, it's still an ongoing thing. I mean, because no situation is exactly the same. So you can kind of best prepare for certain ballpark figures about what's going to be said. But as far as like the language itself, it's usually like a one track line, I guess. Since discovering my autism diagnosis, I've been proactive about trying to understand things that might be misunderstood. So I lean more on Matt now. So I'm like often coming to you and saying like, hey, can you translate this for me or just make sure that I'm running this by you to make sure that I'm understanding this right and I'm coming off the right way. And one example was that note with the teacher. Remember, I was trying to write a note. (laughs) So my kids, you know, at school, you have these notes that you pass back and forth with the teachers. And I had a concern about my eldest child. And so I was like, oh, I want to communicate this with the teacher. And so I wrote her little note, just be like, look, I'm kind of concerned about what I saw when I picked her up. I want to make sure that things are going okay and this and that. And because I'm like this literal straight to the point thinker, I just, as an autistic, we don't deal with the fluff and the pleasantries. Like we just don't, we don't think of it. And so I wrote all this out, just trying to get to the root of the problem. And then I ran it by, well, actually I didn't run it by. it right through. Yeah, so I sent it right through the first time. And then suddenly when I went to pick up my daughter from school, the teacher came out and like seemed kind of a little bit anxious and like wanted to like talk to me and was like, oh, just so you know, like we're taking care of this, da 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 da. And I I was like, why is she acting this way? She's acting like I'm upset with her and like trying to like make up for it. And I'm like, why? I'm not upset with her. And then I went and talked to Matt and I was like, babe, this situation happened and I feel like something happened and I don't know what I did. Well, I mean, now everything's fine. I mean, we're, we're good with the teacher and everything. But I showed you the note. But so the note read basically like almost like you were like, spot like not spying but like you caught them like off duty that they weren't like i caught their hand in the cookie jar well kind of like you you basically were catching them being like i witnessed this you weren't doing your job here how are we basically going to fix this so it was more so instead of like fixing like our oldest child's behavior it was more so fixing their like teaching style so it doesn't happen again 
So it was definitely very interesting. So it was kind of like a, like, gotcha moment. Like I caught you off guard and now tell me how you're going to like improve upon like your professional <laughs> teaching style. Which totally stinks because <laughs> that is so not how I meant for it to come off. No, we're, we're good. I wrote the next note. And, yeah, and we made sure he wrote the next note. <laughs> and then I talked to the teacher the next day and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry it came out that way. And I just full up front was like, listen, woman, I'm autistic. Like I cannot communicate. So <laughs> I just, I just told her and I'm, I'm not told a soul yet and i felt so embarrassed that i straight up was like i'm autistic i'm autistic <laughs> well i guess they might have figured because they're like oh child maybe parent so there we go the thing is i will communicate things that i believe and feel at the time seem pretty like level-headed like oh no this is totally clear-cut there's no way anybody can misinterpret this and i completely miss it's a complete miss and unless i had like matt interpreting this for me i wouldn't know what went wrong and so you can imagine as a child growing into adulthood if you a don't have that awareness of knowing you're autistic which again this is why i encourage all parents to please tell your child they're autistic as early as you can this is one of the reasons if i did not know that and if i did not have matt as my interpreter I would still be where I've been basically the last like 20 plus years of my life being utterly confused as to why I can't make friends, why I'm socially isolated, why people seem to get so upset with me and why people tell me that I was like a bad or rude person growing up when I have no memory of that sort of thing. And in retrospect, it all boiled down to like these miscommunications. Well, it's really unfortunate because it creates like almost like burdens, but it's not like a burden on an individual person because you're basically speaking one language and they're replying in another language. But because they're not lining up for complete understanding, it creates like a just a burden kind of in the ether where it's kind of an unfortunate situation. So it's just kind of like, okay, like how do you really bridge the gap so we're able to understand each other where no one is basically like feeling like attacked or like that you're judging them for their teaching style or something along those lines. So, I mean, it definitely, I mean, can be tricky. I think for me, I mean, this is just for me, I find that if you kind of slightly are like super like happy, like with the person, like conveying the message and you kind of like stroke their ego a little bit, then it kind of goes over where it's like, oh, okay, they're not a threat. They're on my side kind of thing. But that's virtually impossible to do written. And like, that's the problem. Like if you are writing these notes to teachers, for example, you you have even less of a chance to show tone through that. Just today, I was looking through social media and somebody posted something and people were responding to it. And this was even in an autism group. So I, I responded and I was like, is this sarcasm or is this not sarcasm? Because I don't understand. And so people had to explain it to me. Other autistic people had to explain to me. Aww. I know, is that funny? <laughs> That they're like, oh, no, this is sarcasm. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll approach that differently. then. <laughs> but that's the problem. If you don't know what's sarcasm and what's literal and you can't tell, you might say the wrong thing. And like, if you say the wrong thing in those situations, it can end up being a big problem. No, I agree. And that's why, I mean, you definitely have to kind of focus on like, okay, how can this potentially be perceived on the other end, even though it's not my intent? Right. If you have a child who is coming up into maybe their early teens or they're starting to kind of develop their personality and like self-awareness, these things are going to be impacting their self-esteem and their self-perception, whether or not we think it. I would definitely start to have those conversations if at all possible. If your child is capable of having those conversations and trying to get insight into how they are perceiving these things. 
If you have an argument with your child, for example, like I told you that you needed to brush your teeth and then come down for dinner and you didn't do it. And they come back at you like, that's not what you said. You said blah, blah, blah. When it comes to autism, just believe that most often than not, they are probably not sassing you. They probably actually literally thought that you meant those things. So in their minds, they don't think they did anything wrong and they're confused as to why you're upset. And I know like, Matt, I was just like, yeah, you're looking like, at oh me because, gosh, you know, yeah. we run into this a lot. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's I'll say one thing that's implied something else. But because I didn't specify the second thing that's implied, there's a total miss. And I will say, like, Matt even struggles with this area in the sense of having patience with your child, having patience with the autistic person. He has a hard time sometimes because I need a lot of help sometimes. Sometimes it's just like, can you re-explain it to me in a different way? And then I get it. But there's other times where I've had to have him explain it to me like five or six different ways before I get it. And I know that's frustrating, but it's just as frustrating for us. So all I can really say is like, try to have patience with your child. And I I know it's frustrating. And Matt, I'm sure that you could speak on that. Well, I was going to say, I think the worst is like, if you have to, like, if I have to explain a joke, because if you explain a joke multiple (laughs) different ways and it's still not like you're not getting it. then it's like, well, the joke isn't funny. (laughs) So Yeah, but even so, when there's things that you need from me and then you're not able to explain it to me in a way that makes sense to me. Like there's been situations where you'll ask for something and in my mind, I think I did it, but I didn't because you actually were asking for something else. But I took the literal interpretation of what you asked. And so in my mind, I thought I did it. Yeah, there's not really, I mean... There's not much to really do there. I mean, I can try and be like straightforward for everything I need, but it's an ongoing struggle for sure. Yeah. So don't beat yourself up if y'all don't manage to be able to communicate effectively with your child every time, but try to at least meet your child in the middle. So make sure that you are breaking communication down to these simpler blocks. Make sure that you're checking in to see if they actually understand what it is that you're saying. Make sure that they feel heard. Make sure that they feel like they are checking in with you in a way to be able to know, did you interpret what I was saying correctly? And of course, as I mentioned before, don't ever assume intent when it comes to the communication. I think a lot of this will apply more towards autistic kids who are a little bit older or have verbal communication. But even with nonverbal kiddos or those who are younger, just don't assume that what they say is what they mean all the time, because what you think they mean might not be what they actually mean. So when you're thinking about it and you're thinking about what they're telling you, the best thing to do, honestly, is try to think of it black and white and literal as well. If they say something, don't try to read between the lines like you would with a neurotypical person, because more often than not, when it comes to an autistic person, there is no in between the lines. Like when I tell somebody I need something or I tell somebody I want something or whatever it may be, that's literally all I mean. There's no other hidden agenda. And sometimes the miscommunication can come from others thinking there is some hidden agenda. So that would be my piece of advice. Yeah, I think that's good. I also think, I mean, you mentioned as far as like telling your child at an early age, I think that would have been beneficial in your case if your parents or other people would have known that you were autistic to tell you at a young age. So then it kind of puts you in a a mindset where you're like, okay, this is the reason why I'm having a hard time communicating with a peer. 
Yeah, and I never knew that certain social communications were only appropriate in certain social settings. Like if I learned how to communicate something from a group of friends, I assumed that is applicable to all groups of friends. I didn't really understand that there's certain circumstances where you can say certain things that you can't say in other situations or people would get offended, for example. That's part of the autistic brain is that first you struggle to learn these social communication rules. Then once you've learned them, you only know to apply them in the setting that you learn them in. So then you have to learn beyond that and be like, oh, wait, it's not applicable in all settings. Now I have to learn all the settings this applies to. And then for the settings it doesn't apply to, then you have to figure out, well, this doesn't work here. So what does work here? So it's just like this ongoing battle of just constantly trying to learn how to communicate. And it's very, very frustrating. I'm in my like early 30s here and I still haven't been able to figure this out. So I I just say like have a lot of patience with your kid and just work with them and try to break things down into like small bite-sized chunks so that they can understand. And with that said, we're going to wrap up the episode. Hopefully you guys will tune in next week and have a great day. All right. Have a good one. All right. bye. Bye. In summary, we talked about the importance of having patience with your autistic child when miscommunication occurs and trying to break language down into smaller bite-sized pieces. We also noted how autistics are often misinterpreted or mischaracterized due to perceived social faux pas that often result in lifelong consequences. Thus, it's critical that parents keep an open line of communication with your autistic child to check in and clear up any potential confusion or misunderstandings. Lastly, we mentioned how challenging understanding and maintaining social communication rules can be for autistics and stress the importance of empathy with your child during these moments. Tune in next week as we take a look at social masking and answer questions such as, what is autistic masking? What are some examples of masking behaviors? And why do autistics mask in the first place? This is Embracing Autism.